The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Alex Seeley's mom labeled her an accident, unwanted, ugly, and stupid. My mom actually does it. This is not actually about me. She's broken, she's fractured. Forgive her for, she doesn't know what she's doing. And something broke where I began to see her as the little girl mm. that was also abused physically and verbally. And now it was no longer her inflicting pain on me, but it was just her manifesting the pain that she'd grown up with. and I have Sheila Walsh with me. Good to have you. Oh, thanks, Randy. And I'm really excited about tonight because, you know, it's funny. If you're on Instagram, like, I'll follow, I'll see my friend post something and I'll see it liked by this and this and this person. And I'm like, oh, you know all my friends. <laughs> and so when I knew that this um, amazing girl was going to be with us, I thought, oh, I love her already because so many of my friends say she is just amazing. So please, would you help me welcome Alex Seeley? It's so good to have you again. It's so good to be here. And Thank you know, you. I don't think you were, were you not here last time she was here? No, I've never no. met Alex oh before. I've goodness. heard so many amazing things about her. So the conversation I think we had last time, she was saying all these great things and I'm like, boy, that would help people and I hope people watch this show. And she's like, well, I'm working on a book and yeah. I'm put, trying to put it in a book and well, here it is. Ta-da! <laughs> Resting cover actually because it's very clean yes. and it's not foo foo. Yeah, but I'm, I'm all about clean lines. Yeah, and my aesthetic is very clean. My husband loved it, <laughs> but I, it's interesting you have a dragonfly, dragonfly. on the yeah. cover, yeah. and that's yeah. significant to you, isn't it? It is because, firstly, I've always loved dragonflies, but when I was actually, you know, you, you'll Google something and you'll be like, well. Does it have any significance? And it did, and it freaked me out because I didn't know this when I just always loved dragonflies, but it actually symbolizes a transformation of perspective of how we see ourselves, especially the inner part of who we are. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly what my book is about. It's about discovering the true essence of who you are and seeing that transformation take place. So I thought it was so appropriate to put it on the cover. Well, so it's not just, it a sort of a spiritual transformation. It's a physical transformation for the dragonfly, which yes. I thought was very interesting because when they're, what are they when they're? A nymph, a nymph. underwater. Underwater. And they're mean and they bite. Exactly. They're mean? Yes. They're mean and they're bi they bite when they're an insect. Yeah. And then they take this metamorphosis into a beautiful dragonfly. And if you notice, they're the only insect that leave you alone. They don't attack you like a wasp mm. or a bee or, you know, they are, they're beautiful. It's they a, hover over water. Yeah, it's a complete transformation complete. though. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's sort of what you're talking yeah. about. It is, it's going from a perspective underwater yes. where there's pain, yeah. you know, where there's hurt yeah. and, and really flying and being beautiful. Yeah. I have to say, Alec, when I read the first part of your book, I found so much of it really heartbreaking. Yeah. Because I think the things that we're told about ourselves when we're young, yes. um, I don't think people realize the smudge that leaves on our soul Absolutely. and the wound. But the fact that you were called stupid, and I think even by your mom. Yeah. Do you remember 
and what yeah. the kind of impact that had on you and how little were you in that? Oh, it started right from when, you know, you could... Because in the Italian culture, it's not... Um, she wasn't meaning to be horrible. It was something you would say to cause you to step up. Mm. So if you were called stupid, well, then that was supposed to do something on the inside of you as a child and cause you not to be stupid. Mm. But words have the power to kill mm. <laughs> or heal. Yeah. And those words, I just began to believe how stupid I was. So it affected every decision I made, how I saw myself, everything. Just because constantly it was like, you stupid, you, you, you're an idiot. How dumb can you be? If I broke something, I was stupid. If I dropped something, I was stupid. If I got the wrong thing out of the cupboard I was stupid so it just when you're told long enough you, you begin to believe it and you, you have to live in terror I mean you tell a story about being sent to get peas and you can't remember if it's green peas or mint peas yeah. and how you're terrified to come home yeah. but I think one of the hardest things I read is you come home with this report card yeah. which would make any parent proud all A's and one C. Yeah. But what did your mom say to you? Yeah, my mom looked at me. She she looked at the um, report card and she just had this glare about it. And she just she said, "Well, you might as well just go and get a just a low a low job. Don't even get educated because you're a failure." And she ripped it up in front of me. Mm. And my mum. This is the thing about my mum. It, it's it's almost like. Uh, to split personalities because my mum was actually amazing on so many levels, but because of her own brokenness and because of her own fractures, she was never given an education. She was she had that withheld from her. So anything less than perfection to her was seen as I was wasting my opportunity. Mm. So it was it was so much of her brokenness being manifested through to me. And some as a child though, you never see it that way. Mm. You know, you just take it at face value. And you also encountered that um, in school. I know through our mutual friend, Chris Kane, yeah. that being from a Greek family in Australia, she encouraged, she encountered yeah. a lot of prejudice. But you from an Italian family, which explains that glorious black yeah. hair, <laughs> you encountered the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, and I went to a school where it was predominantly Australians. I was kind of the, the I think there was me, one, me and one other Italian kid. And it was looked down upon because you were ethnics and you were, you know, you're our parents were blue collar workers, they weren't white collar workers. And so you're, even though we were financially well off, it was, we weren't educated and we weren't, and so you were seen less than, and so you were made to feel less than. And the way you looked, you know. How did this manifest itself uh, the older you got and as you, you know, moved into adult relationships? How did it, how did it affect you? Well, I think what it normally does, I think, you know, you exist, you live through life, but internally you're a mess. Mm. And so what you're doing is I'm self-sabotaging relationships already. I'm hurting people before they can hurt me. I'm assessing situations. I'm manipulating situations. I'm, I'm damaging myself. I had an eating disorder for over 20 years because I'm trying to attain some sort of perfection. I'm exhausting myself to try and be validated all the while, you know, putting on this brave face that everything's okay on the outside, but I wasn't. So what, what, what was the switch that flipped that made you see all this for, for what it was and turn it around? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was my relationship with Jesus. And I think it's not an overnight thing. And I think yeah. that's what I try and explain in my book is that I grew up in a Christian home and my mum and dad love the Lord. Uh, and I think sometimes we think when we're saved that it fixes everything. Mm -hmm. 
but we've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and we actually have to be we're becoming sanctified and so a lot of people think they're saved but they're not actually free and so that walk of freedom took years mm -hmm. it took layers and it took the renewing of the mind it took me being in youth group listening to those messages applying those messages making those mistakes it was but really ultimately it was my personal relationship with Jesus that changed everything and you talk in the book about the way the Lord redefined terms for you you because it was a very derogatory name you would be yes. called but how God unpacked that in a totally different I way. I know, I loved it. I was called a WOG, but he turned it into an acronym. And instead of it being a derogatory name, it was now an acronym for Woman of God. Oh. <laughs> but see, I love that. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering about, um, I mean, as parents, I mean, I have a 21-year-old son. None of us get it all right. Yeah. But when you've had a parent who has really damaged you as a young woman, yeah. and the, the closer you come in your relationship to Christ, what did the journey of forgiveness look like for you? And is that something you wanted to do? Mm. or? And did your mum receive it? I just, I just kind of wonder what that yeah. whole process was like, because it's huge. Yeah, it, and it was crazy with my mum because, like I said, she was the most nurturing, the most giving, the most self-sacrificing, like practically. She was everything you would want. I mean, she would bake the three meals. She would make our beds. The house was perfect. Because of her fractures, it was the words that wounded and wounded and wounded. So they developed in me just a, I was so hurt by her. And so I didn't want to forgive her because forgiving her would let her off the hook. That was what I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, then she gets away with that. Mm -hmm. I'm left with the collateral damage. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, but it, I'll never forget being in my bedroom and reading and just saying, God, it hurts too much. It just hurts. How do I forgive her? And he showed me that picture of when he stood before Pilate and all the people that he had once healed and that he'd shared the good news with and that he'd delivered. And he, first they're saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the next minute they're saying, crucify him. And he doesn't defend himself. And then he's, the next scene is on the cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And something clicked on the inside of me. And I just went, my mum actually doesn't, this is not actually about me. She's broken, she's fractured, forgive her for, she doesn't know what she's doing. And something broke where I began to see her as the little girl mm. that was also abused mm. physically and verbally. And now it was no longer her inflicting pain on me, but it was just her manifesting the pain that she'd grown up with. And everything changed when I was able to go, well, I've got no right to hold unforgiveness. Mm. And when I forgave her, it wasn't like one minute and it was all over. I had to forgive her 70 times seven. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like, woo. But I'm telling you, my mum and I, we are awesome. Did yeah, you have good. these conversations? Were you able to have those kind of conversations with her? Yeah, not, not during the process. Sure. Only really over the last six years. Took time. Yeah, Took absolutely. It, it, you know, I think an interesting point that, that you make is, is illustrated in the Old Testament because when God's people were set free from slavery, they weren't just all of a sudden. That's right. Yeah, they had to walk, and they had to yeah. walk through some deserts. Yeah. They had to walk through some frightening times. They, and then when they got to where God wanted them to be, they had to fight. Yes. They had some giants they That's had right. to drive out, and so this process of deliverance, you know, it's 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 
pictured in the Old Testament, yeah. but we still have to walk through these things. And I see Absolutely. you doing that and encouraging others yeah. in the church that you and your husband now pastor yeah. to do the same thing. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that because I used to live in Nashville and yeah. then we moved to Dallas. And when I heard about this church, the belonging, I mean, yeah. the, the buzz was different. It used to be yeah. the buzz was, oh, this is a church where so-and-so goes to, you know, as yeah. Christian music artist or country yeah. star. This was like, this is a church where Jesus is. Yes. So what was that journey like for you? Oh, I tell you, it was the accidental church. We never <laughs> actually planned on beginning a church. We'd been pastors in our previous season in Australia and so coming to America was a complete sea change for us. So my husband's always been in music production and uh, worship and we get to Nashville and I'm looking for a church mm. and I just can't find one. Like you said, that really goes after the presence of God. They all love Jesus. They love the word. It's not that there were bad churches. There wasn't that essence of the presence factor that I couldn't find it. And uh, so we just opened up our home and gathered five or six friends over and the presence of God hit that place. I can't even explain it. It was so sovereign where people by the end of the night are confessing their sin. The Holy Spirit's moving upon each person. People are getting delivered of addiction. People are getting their marriages restored. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute, what is happening? And I felt like God saying, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm after. I want my presence wow. to change people. Mm -hmm. This is why we called it the belonging, because I think so many people think we've got to behave and then we, we belong. But Jesus said, no, you belong before you even believe. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can make an environment where it's safe for people to come in with warts and all, full of their stuff, mm -hmm. but not judge them for it, but bring them to the healer, not to us, to the healer, the very essence of God, he will do the changing and he'll do the convicting. And we just saw, we invited the first five. Every other week, 10 people came. And we were opening the door to strangers saying, we're hearing what God's doing in this place. Can we come? We're like, mm. come on in. And it just grew from there. <laughs> yeah, when, when you lived in Nashville and you were working in the music business, right? How, long, how often were you there on the weekend? Um, I was often on the road on the weekend, yeah, which right, is right. one of the hard things about... So, didn't that, uh, initially, you started yeah. by doing a week... Yeah, we started on Tuesday night because my husband obviously was working with all these musicians and he said, they don't go to church. They get on a tour bus on Wednesday. Yeah. They get home on Monday. They're doing the work of God out on the road, right. but they're not being filled. Yeah. And so we started and opened up Tuesday night. And it's funny how people are like, why didn't anyone ever see this before? Right, right. right. No, but it's, it's interesting though, because a lot of more Christian, are Christian artists, yeah. or, you know, or Christians at yeah. least working in, in, in music. Yeah. But there's that need for uh, continual yes. being, you know, poured into discipleship yeah. and for the community that can be yes. almost a little bit fake in, in a yep. work environment, but yeah. being able to come and, and open yourself to yes. to be a part of, to belong, yeah. right? To that community has been important. Yeah. So you, you, you're seeing that making a huge difference. Yeah. So what you're saying lives. too is, is what we're all hungry for. That's yeah. right. The presence of God. Yes. The weight of His glory. Yes. Because then you don't have to say to somebody, put that cigarette out or do anything. No. You just say, come and let Jesus love you. Absolutely. He does all the fixing. Mm. Why did you call the book Tailor Made? Because I love fashion, um, <laughs> first of all. But with, with that, in, in high-end fashion, there's a thing called couture design, which is a one-off 
piece and garment that is made for a specific person. And as I started to look at that whole couture piece of garment, it, it's only made, the exact measurements are for that person and it's made to fit perfectly for that person. And I thought it's just like the way God, he is the master designer there's 7.5 billion people walking on this earth, yet each of us have our own fingerprint, our own tongue print, and our own footprint. And we are couture designs. We have been tailor-made very individually to, to fulfill a very individual purpose. But I've found, being a pastor for 24 years, that the church almost clones people. And we're not able to express exactly who we are because who you are Randy and who you are Sheila are completely individual people but we need your voice and your reflection of who God is on this earth and that's why I called it tailor-made because we're all tailor-made specifically. I love that and as a woman um, one of the things I hear more often than anything else is from young women saying really talking about their insecurity. Yeah. How do you shift from those very real feelings to finding your security in, in Christ. I mean, I know yeah. it's a process, but yeah. what would you say to somebody who says, I just, I can't unbelieve that God would love me? Yeah, oh my goodness. I, that one, so that, that would take an hour to unpack, but I think, yeah. honestly, it, He knew us before the foundations of the world. He purposed us to be here. It says in Psalm 139 that He designed us, He fashioned us. And it says He he wrote down every single one of our days before one of them ever came to be in His book. Therefore, He has a book with each of our names on it and our life listed out. I want to get to know the one who wrote that book. I need to know the fact that if God's that intentional about writing every detail about our life, then He... He's made me uniquely special. And so I don't need to be insecure because I have a loving father who's perfect in all of his ways, who's good all the time, who is love. He doesn't feel love. He doesn't move out of love. And there is no guile in him. There's no angst in him. He loves us. I, I just need to get to know him. And when I know him, everything changes. You did not need an hour. (laughs) but that's beautiful I mean that's the simple beautiful glorious truth of the gospel that we are fully known and fully loved and I think that if that message could get out to every single person in the church because so often we feel well I'll change that habit and then I'll really get close to God. Yeah, no. And he just says, no, come on, come, come as you are. It's beautiful. This is a fantastic book. Taylor made Discover the Secret to Who God Created You to Be. And one of the things that Randy and I love that we get the privilege of doing here at Life is reaching out to some other people who have no idea who they are. But one of the great privileges is we get to meet some very real practical needs, first of all, and then we get to introduce them to the God who made them. So would you watch this? And then we'll tell you a little bit more about how you can help us make a difference. Watch this. Yes, I'm so excited for you. So happy for you. Life Outreach and our friends have another reason to celebrate this holiday season of providing some 150,000 children from around the world with a Christmas gift they have never possessed or enjoyed, a brand new pair of shoes The joy that this gift of a simple pair of shoes brings to these children can be measured by the excitement and the smiles on their faces. Look at them running right through all that with their shoes. Look at the, look at that. (laughs) That's what it's all about right there. 
it's such a joy to give out these shoes to these children. And you might think that's just a fun thing, but sometimes it literally saves a life. When these children walk around with bare feet and they get their feet cut with stones or all sorts of diseases can enter their just darling, beautiful little bodies. So this really is a gift of life as much as anything else. So let's try these, buddy. Let's see how they go. This year also marks a milestone as literally hundreds of children who previously could not smile because of cleft palate problems now have a new outlook on life thanks to corrective surgery that afforded them the ability to smile. Today I'm sitting here with little Momo. Little Momo is a little boy that was brought here just as recent, had one of the worst cleft palate, cleft lip needs we've ever seen before. The doctors were able to operate on him and bring him what we would call a Christmas smile. And today we thank God for all of our donors, each one of you who give so generously to bring smiles on little children like Momo. What a wonderful gift of a corrective surgery that love provided, a gift that will last a lifetime. I can imagine you're thinking, well, it's a little bit early to be talking about Christmas shoes. But there's a reason for that. That's because we want to get everything in motion so that we can make sure that by Christmas, the shoes have arrived. And I can't tell you what it's like to watch the child's face when for the very first time in their life, they have a pair of shoes. I mean, they're so happy. And it's not just that it's a fun thing. It literally keeps them safe from so many of the diseases that are in the water that they have to walk in. But I think one of the things I am particularly passionate about are these surgeries, these cleft lip, cleft palate. Do you know that we have some doctors here in the States who have agreed to work with us? And they've said that for $500, they can do the whole surgery on a child. $500. So my husband Barry and I have decided this year for Christmas gifts to each other because we do not need one more sweater or one more jacket that we're going to, Barry's going to give the gift of um, a surgery for a child to me and I'm going to do the same for him. I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten a pair of shoes for $36? For $36? Yeah. Well, no, I'm ashamed to no. say they're usually a little bit more than that. $36 will not just buy a pair of shoes like these. It, it will buy 10 pair of shoes. We can provide shoes. And these are, these are a little different. These are not necessarily fashion statements. They're but ultimately they're, beautiful. They're, they're durable. And you know what? They protect the children from some of the infections and things that you can get from cutting your feet and running around in the dirt. You can actually not just give a great gift this year and, and a smile, but you can give something that will impact a child's health you can reach out and impact 50 children for a gift of $180. I mean, I, I wish all my Christmas gifts went that far. Oh, I know. And because some of you can't afford $500 for surgery. I totally get that. But could you afford, I mean, $3.60. That's yeah. all it costs to, yeah. to make these. So maybe you could afford $36. And that would give 10 children mm -hmm. the best Christmas they have ever had. Yep. Let's do Christmas early. Let's imp impact children's lives uh, for the positive. Let's give some children a smile and let's share the love of Jesus Christ around the world as we give Christmas shoes and smiles. Call us now, go to the website, make the best gift you can and you'll be helping to put a smile on a child's face this Christmas. Poverty is a killer and because of it, children needlessly suffer. 
not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted, like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, and for many, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pairs, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted red crystal shoe ornament a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request a Light Shines in Darkness Frosted Glass Candle, featuring a beautiful golden design with scripture from John 1.5. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request the Bridge of Faith Canvas Print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. It's a great day when you can give until the least of these. I've hung out in this village all afternoon and I could not wait for this moment to be honest with you, but I've had a chance to play with the children. We've hung out and I've played at their playground with them, but you would not imagine what playground they play on. It was filled with broken glass, um, broken tin cans, all kinds of debris, trash, animals everywhere, uh, fecal matter everywhere. And I'm watching the kids play in this stuff. It was just awful. We would never allow our children to play in an atmosphere like that, but it's all they have in this village, and they were the happiest children I'd ever seen. And yet, even in that moment, we witnessed before our very own eyes a little boy stepping into something and cut his foot. And the reason why is because you'll look around and you see that most of these kids don't even have shoes. Not hardly one of them. And if they do, they're broken apart and falling apart, and it's just not a good scene. So let's do something special this time of year. It's not just about a pretty pair of shoes. It's so much more than that. It's really about the quality of life. And something so simple as putting on a brand new pair of shoes on their feet that will protect their feet, whether it's infection, cuts, hookworm, whatever it is, it's gonna protect their life. It's so simple. Let's do it. Let's make a difference one child at a time. They're a perfect fit. Oh. Thank you so much. For any gift you send in, I'd love to send you Alex's book. The thing is, sometimes people share their problems, um, and it's wonderful, but Alex actually shows you a way out of the labyrinth into freedom in Christ, so you're going to love this book. Yeah, get it and do what you can as we share Christmas. We've got Christmas ornaments. And would you thank our wonderful guest today, Miss Alex Seeling. Thank you for being with us. Always a pleasure. Appreciate the encouragement that you are sharing sharing your heart with everyone, and we appreciate you tuning in. Join us here every day on Life Today. If the phones are busy, keep calling.
having been in this industry now for 15 years, I, I believe personally there is not a master plan to keep faith out of the media. Megan Alexander, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.